A few years back, comedian John Oliver, on his show last week tonight, went on a uh, bit of a rant about the debt collection industry. More specifically, about how when we borrow from banks and loan agencies, these institutions don't actually hold our debt, but resell it to various debt collection agencies, often for pennies on the dollar, who then use all manner of coercive and abusive tactics to reclaim that debt and turn a profit. But rather than simply ranting about it, Oliver took it one step further by founding his own debt collection agency, which apparently is ludicrously easy, and used it to purchase nearly $15 million in medical debt owned by about 9,000 people for a mere $60,000. And then to make his point, he forgave that debt live on national television. And when I heard what he'd done, I was in awe. Not just at the act of generosity, but at the simplicity of his solution. That he'd been able to look at the machinery of finance that absolutely dominates so much of our lives and had been able to find a loophole that allowed him to help people escape from their financial bondage rather than profiting from their misfortune. And the whole thing made me wonder. Why has no one ever thought of this before? Because having seen what John had done, it was easy to imagine how the whole system could be turned on its head and made far fairer and more forgiving than the way it is today. But to the best of my knowledge, before Oliver, no one ever had. So if it's really so obvious, why hadn't anyone ever thought of this before? I thought about it for a long time, and I think it's because we live our lives in boxes. You see, the world in which we live is so vast and complicated that we need to break it down into small, bite sized blocks so our brain can process it all without melting like a CPU without a cooler. For example, when I see a car on the street, What goes through my head is an object, large, red, fast, wheels, windows, flashing lights, sound of motor, smell of petrol. That must be a car, because that would be exhausting. Instead, I open the box in my brain marked car, and aside from noting the color and maybe the speed, I let all my past experience of cars fill in the details. And I need to be able to do that because without a box marked car, I wouldn't be able to drive one because as soon as I got out on the road, I'd be so bogged down by details that I'd crash it the first time I had to hit the brakes or turn the wheel. And so our brain breaks everything down and stores it in these, for lack of a better term, little boxes. Boxes filled with road answers that help us handle routine decisions. Boxes full of generalities that help speed up our thought process when we're trying to work something out. Boxes that we stack together to give our often chaotic world a sense of form and structure. Boxes upon boxes upon boxes that we use to sort and filter everything. We'd love to put the world in boxes and, in fact, need to 
just to make it through the day. But here's the problem with boxes. Boxes are basically a bunch of walls. Walls we can't see beyond. Walls we can't move beyond. Walls we need to think and grow beyond to truly engage with the world, but can't because walls, by their very nature, box us in. And so we become boxed into rote answers when what we need is unique solutions. We become boxed into social norms and expectations when what we need is to grow beyond them. We become so boxed in, we've trouble dealing with anything that falls outside the walls of our preconceptions. Because anything beyond the established order within them threatens to return us to a world of chaos and indecision, and we are far too comfortable in our boxes to put up with that kind of nonsense. And so we rarely think or move beyond them. Which, when you think about it, is really contrary to Jesus' teachings. You see, Jesus lived in a world full of boxes, too. Boxes that said things like that women were unimportant beyond their role as wife and mother. Boxes that labeled chronic illness as moral weakness or susceptibility to sin. Boxes that declared the seventh day as holy and that the only work permitted on the Sabbath was what it took to attend your local synagogue. And nobody questioned what lay beyond these hard lines and rigid walls because on account of scripture, they believed that everything that mattered was already understood. And according to what they understood, it was exactly the way God wanted it. But as you might have guessed, Jesus is not a big fan of boxes. In fact, he seems to have delighted in bursting boxes at the seams, letting the chaotic messiness of life come crashing in and then seeing who'd be swift enough to get what he would done. And so he says, you want to attribute this crippled woman's illness to sin and weakness? Well, watch what happens when I cure her aching back. She instantly stands tall and begins praising God. Is she still sinful? Am I? How well does that fit in your box, my friend? Or how about all your preconceived notions regarding the worthiness of women? What if I name her a daughter of Abraham, reminding everyone that she is as much a part of that holy lineage as any one of us? Can your box contain that truth? Or will you be forced to admit that the children of God, regardless of gender, are equally worthy in God's eyes? And how about the Sabbath? You are absolutely right to name it holy. And yet, and yet you won't do for this woman what you do for a donkey. Where is the holiness in that? Where is it written that worshiping God takes precedence over the will of God? What does your box have to say about that, friend? One by one, Jesus goes out of his way to burst our boxes, to demonstrate that the kingdom of God isn't about boxing the world in until it's all neat and ordered, but about seeing the world for what it is, dynamically responding to the situation at hand and creatively addressing the world's problems. 
In short, Jesus asks us to live in a world without boxes. So how are we going to do that? We do that by remembering that boxes are a great place to start, but a poor place to finish. That while it's true we need our boxes full of rote answers to deal with routine decisions, we must always keep in mind that every situation is unique and that one-size solutions rarely fit all. That while it's true that we may need our boxes full of generalities and preconceptions, we must never lose sight of the fact that it's the specifics we should be looking for. The realities that break the mold and give this world its grandeur and diversity. And that while it's true we need to order our world with the aid of boxes, we should never ever be constrained by their comforting walls so that we can't see the world for what it truly is, dynamically responding to the situation at hand and creatively addressing the challenges we're facing, both us and our world. Because that is what God in Christ has called on us to do, to move beyond the barriers of our tiny little boxes and be brave enough to live in a world without walls. Now can you say amen to that?